Hello and welcome to another episode of Cinematrimony. I am your host and editor of FilmNerds.com, Matt Scalisi, with me as usual, my lovely bride, Francesca Scalisi. How are you, dear? I'm good. Perhaps for this podcast we should be Maz and Ferez. Oh, snap. Because we are, of course, talking about the Australian... Film. We're talking. We're talking about Animal Kingdom, which uh, is probably not a movie that. Probably of all the movies we've done, it's the one that is you are least likely to have heard of if you're a normal American person. Well, but until at least until the Oscar nominations came out recently, I think I'd that's, heard of it before. That. I had to, but it, mostly from Buzz. And but the, what put this movie on the map Buzz, is, is that one of the brothers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what put it on the map was. Jackie Weaver's uh, Best Supporting Actress, or, or I'm sorry, Best Actress nomination, right? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think she's nominated for Best Actress. Uh, she might be supporting. She's not the main character. Uh, let's let's just confirm here, since I've very thoughtfully pulled up IMDb, <laughs> which you said I didn't need to. Uh, no, yeah, you're right, Francesca is supporting actress. I'm not dumb, Matt. <laughs> Anyways, this is a movie that yeah, it has been talked about for a while. It came out at Sundance. Uh, the first film for this director writer, his, I, I'm going to say his name is David Michaud. Daz. Daz. That's apparently, by the way, that's like apparently an Australian thing. Yeah. If you've, if you've seen the movie, uh, you'll know what we're talking about. If you haven't, turn back now, probably, unless you don't mind hearing plot details discussed. Yeah, but this is like, you don't want to spoil this movie for yourself. Get out of here if you I, haven't seen it. Get I, out. It's I, on Netflix. I agree that you don't want to spoil it, because it's, it's a very fun plot, and you never well, quite know where fun. it's going. I don't know. I, I just say that because but you don't know rate, where it's going. We discovered that there's a brother named Barry, who they call Baz, and then there's a brother named Darren, who at one point they do kind of refer to him as Daz. That's right. So apparently that's an Australian thing, is to add... Take the first letter and add as with a Z. Don't be confused. Firstly, and we I just mentioned David Michaud, the first-time writer-director. And this movie, I, we actually briefly considered doing a Film Nerds podcast miniseries just talking about first the first film of a of of various directors and because there's kind of a there's kind of a distinctive thing that always happens. A lot of guys come out swinging and they're really trying to prove themselves and they really try to kind of do it all in their first movie you get you get a lot of ambition in a way that's the way tom ford's a single man was i would say that's it an was, ambitious it was movie. definitely classy but it was like you could tell like he was being classy but and also your your influences tend to show the most because in in a first film one of the things you see is it's almost all sort of collage more so than an original creation it's just it usually it's a sort of a filmmaker taking everything he's ever seen that he loved and putting it in his well, first movie. So where are you going with this? Because I think this guy was very understated and it was it was almost like found footage. Like it was really not stylized, which then sort of well, turned it into stylized by not being stylized. You know, it was pretty think, straightforward filmmaking. I think he wasn't a, being flashy. There are a few different things that I think he's heavily influenced by. I think one is... He's definitely influenced by a 70s crime film. Uh, that's what this looks like. It looks like taking a Pelham 123 and French Connection and that kind of stuff on occasion. There's a little bit of Scorsese in there. In general, the plot itself is very 
the first thing that came to my mind when we start getting into it and figuring out that it's actually this sort of family drama. It's it's really it's kind of a family Shakespearean tragedy because yeah. it, it's oh no I was it's thinking the downfall of a crime family and it, the thing she's that, very much like Hamlet's mother sure kind yeah of thing. and well what it, what came to my mind was that it was very Godfather esque uh, although Jackie Weaver is not like the 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 Marlon Brando character because she's not uh, she's not sympathetic and she really doesn't care as her kids get picked off one by one she doesn't care. She really does not feel much about it. She's she's the most cold blooded of any of them. But I mean, right. I guess what reminded said, me of it is the mom. brothers do seem to love each other for the most part. And there's, uh, there, there, you know, like The Godfather, where it was this, it was cool because there were these very distinctive brothers. They they didn't blend with each other. They were they were very. They were, they were almost like separate components of their father's personality it was kind of a running thing in The Godfather. And I don't know if I, it's the same thing with, with the mother here, but these, these, I love how different the brothers are because you have, you have uh, the guy who's really not in it for very long, I guess, at the beginning of the movie, Barry. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, Barry is, is definitely the smart one, the good hearted one, which is obviously why he goes first. Um, You've got Darren, who's clearly kind of the weak one, mm-hmm. um, and the youngest, and and the youngest, and he's 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 the most good-hearted of any of them. But he clearly was not as smart or as suited to that world as Barry. Then you have uh, uh, you have Craig, who is crazy and reckless and violent-looking, and, and never I don't think ever has a shirt on at any point in the movie. But he is also weak in a way because he sort of really becomes the the first one to come unhinged of any of them. And then you have Pope, who is a, one of my favorite characters in the movies this year, I would say. I would say Pope would make my top five list of characters from 2010. Well, he's, he's sort of so got the Anton Chigurh thing of, like, you just have no idea... Oh, what yeah. he's thinking. Like, you know, he somehow, the actor has somehow conveyed that he is a psychopath, but like, he doesn't, he doesn't really act out. He does, and he even does, he has this kind of creepy thing of going, like, you know, you can talk to me. Tell me yeah, what you're thinking weird. about. Like, it's like, yeah. he, cause he's the oldest, and he sort of, he sort of still acts like the oldest brother, but he's also crazy, and they're all afraid of him, as they well should be, cause he, he, you know, kind of will just spin off. And, and go nuts. But, you know, what I thought was interesting about this film is that there isn't really a bad guy. I mean, the, the enemy, so to speak, of all these main characters is the police. Well, that's a very nebulous thing. And Guy Pierce isn't really the one going after them. Well, He's it's not, not their Guy enemy. Pierce police. It's the it's yeah. the specifically the armed robbery unit, which so it's made clear not to really, us is corrupt and, and Yeah, but evil. there's not really like there's not really a bad guy. Like, it clearly is just about their family. There's not, like, a rival gang. There's not, like, a specific police officer who's gunning for them. It's just sort of this idea that's threatening their way of life. I would say that Jay, if Jay, if, if you want to apply those kind of titles to things, I would, I would I, obviously, Jay is the hero. Uh, well. Who's the really quiet. Like, anti-hero. Kinda. Sort of, but what he, I mean, what he is is he's an objective observer that we're viewing the story through. Because he, he, he says very, he says very little. He doesn't appear to show. I mean, I can think of one scene where he really shows emotion. Uh, the, the bathroom scene when he sees his girlfriend's clothes hanging on the towel rack. 
Well, that's like really the first time. That's the only time he shows emotion. But but the point being, I think Jay, if he's the hero, then Pope is the villain of the movie. I mean, well, yeah. Pope is Pope is the one that you that makes Jay fear for his life because there is a portion of the movie where it's never quite made clear. I think Pope was probably trying to kill Jay at various points. Yeah. Sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he was. But he. I think it's important that that the only time Jay showed emotion about anything was over this girl, and Pope took Pope took her away from him, and I think that's ultimately yeah. why the movie ends the way it ends is because Jay is not a violent person; he's not uh, an evil guy. Well. But if Pope Pope, it's hard to hurt Jay. Jay had clearly become des- desensitized to a lot of things in the world. You know, the movie opens basically with him... Man, that is a crazy opening. ...completely emotionless with his dead mother on the couch next to him. And and he's... He's watching television watching TV, as they're yeah. unsuccessfully trying to revive her... Right. ...from so, a drug overdose. So Jay is desensitized to things like that. He's, he's rough-skinned. He does not let things affect him. And I think it says a lot that Pope... That Pope... T- uh, taking away the only thing that he showed any emotion about, that's the only reason Jay does what he does in the end. Well, is because but I'll tell Pope, you, Matt. Pope actually found a way to hurt him, and it's very difficult to hurt Jay. Well, now, within the movie, though, you have, you know, the the titular... Titular? Do you not have... Do you have a problem saying the word titular? Titular? Chul- ch- I didn't know there was a ch in no, there. No, titular. Titular. The uh, titular soliloquy delivered by Guy Whoa. Pierce. Oh, I know. I wanted about, to talk about that at some yeah, point. Yeah, well, that that's sort of the logic in the movie as to why he does what Jay does what he does at the end is because, you know, Guy Pierce says, look, you're a weak one. They're just taking care of you. And eventually, you know, the weak one's got to be gotten rid of, which, of course, is how the, uh, how, uh, the grandmother, I can't remember her name. What's her name? Character's uh, name is. Well, let's just. Let's, well, we'll call her the grandmother. Yeah. You know, eventually she's planning to take out the weak one. And, you know, Guy Pierce goes, look, you got to figure out where you belong. Because right now you're just the weak one in the family. Do you think and he's so establishing think himself is, as the lion Oh, there. absolutely. Yeah. Because, spoiler alert. Well, it's too he, late now. <laughs> well, when he, you know, and this happens in the last 30 seconds of the film. He shoot. He goes back to the house. He shoots Pope. His mo- The grandmother, who's always attaching herself to whoever's going to take care of her, hugs him, knowing what he's just done. And you see in the reflection that Darren, who was the weak one, nods his approval and is willing to take the back seat to now dog number one. You think Jay just took over the family is what happened? Well, now, here's the thing. I don't know, you know, it's, it's, obviously it's very ambiguous as to whether he's going to go on to a life of crime. But the point is, he has now established himself as he's the strong one in the family. He did the thing no one else had the guts to do. Pope was endangering them all. Right. And, you know, putting them no, all No, it had risk. to happen. It had, it was... And, you yeah. know, he gets approval from his grandmother who hugs him knowing that she he just shot her oldest son. And you see, you know, you see Darren's reflection nodding. And it's very subtle because it's, you, you don't even see his face or anything, but you can see that he's nodded as in like, yeah, either, you know, yeah, you did what you had to do or yeah, thanks for doing that. Mm-hmm. But so I, I think that's supposed to be the thrust of the movie is that yeah. then he's decided what he's going to be gonna and he's decided you, to be, yeah, the, you know, top dog. Well, I, that's what I was going to at some point ask you about the relevance of the title and the monologue that goes with it because it's not really an immediately clear connection of the overall theme. But, yeah, I, I guess 
that the point the point of it all and it being called Animal Kingdom and all of that is that that in the end Jay is is being asked to establish his role and that that's what the end of the movie is is that he's establishing his role. Yeah. Because he's unclear about it. He's wandering through life with no role until that point. Well, I mean it's Life it works is on a lot of levels. You know, Animal Kingdom, they're also sort of like a, you know, you kind of get a sense they're like a pride of lions. The way oh, I totally of, think I mean, that's they act, the case. That's you the know, analogy, even, yeah. even Barry, who is married and has, you know, I think he has kids, too. They're always, well, they're not with their, you know, he's not with his wife hardly ever. They're always in this den, you know, a bunch of lions circling each other with their woman there, you know, their grand, yeah. their mother. yeah. And, you know, it's the bunch of guys, like, you know, circling each other, kind of buzzing in a state of constant emotion, you know. Well, and I think that's why Craig never to... has, I think that's part of why Craig never has a shirt on, too, because he's, it very much plays him up as an animal. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, they're very, they're very animalistic characters. They are very much like, it's like you're watching a nature documentary it about is. lions. I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. And, and, you know, the mom is, it's, it's, she's such an interesting character, and it's not really... She's interesting before her big twist where she turn out, you know, she turns out to be a baddie because they're dropping these breadcrumbs where, you know, he said Jay says in his, you know, kind of monologue at the beginning, you know, she just always wanted to be where the boys were. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get the sense that the falling out with Jay's mother, if it if it was in fact about this little thing, was just that she didn't like her daughter. She liked her son. Oh yeah. She didn't like her daughter. She oh, turned I her think, back on her daughter. I think her daughter I think her daughter just didn't uh uh, you can imagine that her daughter, it, it's almost like there could only be one dominant female figure in sure. that family. And her daughter was not going to ever be able to have that role. And that's probably part of the clash. Well, and there's there's an we element. We got to talk about Jackie Weaver, too, because. Yeah, well, uh, well, there's also an element of, like, incest, you know, because she kisses her son. And but she does she kisses kiss him them for a long On time. the mouth oh, yeah. and for too long. Yeah. And she always, like, insists on a kiss. Like, there's almost. She played it almost it's like there's incest, an element of like flirting with her son. Well, I just like, think you know, she's she's such a dominant feminine presence that it's not really about sex so much. It's I'm not just saying that, sex, but no, there's no. a relationship. It's not a mother-son relationship. Right. She's, oh, yeah. It's more of like she's the flirty lady in their life. Well, she's you know? the woman of the house. She performs the female role, and she's also... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's it is interesting that Pope and Craig and Darren, who Darren at one point gets accused of being gay, but Pope and Craig don't have women either. None of them have no, women in their life except for Barry, who obviously Craig, is kind of the black sheep. Craig uh, does though. Apparently, had a Craig has at a one girlfriend because remember, yeah, but it did. I mean, it's been house. long. It's been long over. Yeah, but I mean, look, you know, they've established this, you know, working relationship amongst the family that you know makes them happy and fulfills them. They go and they're this yeah. gang of bank robbers. And it's it's what's strange about Jackie Weaver's character is that in most, you know, gangster movies or whatever, the women are complicit in their silence. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she didn't go and rob banks with them, but she was the one who was bringing them to their lawyer and chiming in and saying, here's what you need to do to protect yourself. She was not, it wasn't even we that she was pretending like it didn't exist. She was involved in as much oh, as yeah. she was, you know, helping them to you know, stay out of trouble while still doing the things they do. I think it's questionable because we never, in this movie, it's interesting, we actually never see them 
I know. I don't even know if they do violent in, crimes right, or we, if it's just that they were doing robberies and got provoked. We, into we the don't. Violent well, crime. they obviously are doing armed robbery. And I think that's what the montage at the beginning of the movie is meant to suggest uh, of all the shots of people just just sort of security cameras of armed robberies. That's what that's supposed to be them, I think. And yeah, yeah. But I'm saying I don't know if you but, know, we don't really know if they're violent them, criminals or if they're just stealing. Yeah, from banks. we don't see them in action. And. I think it's totally fair to assume, based on the scene that I want, that I was going to talk about in a second, that that she was way more than just taking care of them. I think she may she was probably actively involved in the whole enterprise. When you when you get that, because you know going into this movie, I knew she was nominated, and you wait for a while because you kind of go, she's not really sticking out to me. She's not really doing a lot, and I kept waiting for that Oscar clip. And then it, it, you definitely know when that scene arrives. I mean, there's kind of a precursor to it. She gets in the car with the lawyer and talks about having, you know, getting rid of Jay. And you start to see how that's really the sort of where it snaps to you of, okay, she is a, she's a bad chick. She is, she's, she's not a passive player here. She's, she is the mastermind. Then See, sort no, of just after that. I don't think she's the that, mastermind. Not I think the she's mastermind. A cleaner. She is. She cleans yeah. up after them. She does. Yeah, because she lives off of the spoils. But she's and so they, very, she wants to let them keep doing it. But she's very, very uh, diabolical. And the scene that is the Oscar clip is the scene where she's the most evil. And I think what's so, what would have been easy to do with this character is for her to act grandmotherly for the whole time, and then snap to this like sudden like suddenly change her personality to where she's hard and nasty and mean and not and angry and what's brilliant about the performance is that she doesn't do that and it makes her even more sort of diabolical because yeah, she's like coldly she's logical got the about the grandmother it. face on still while she's talking to a corrupt cop about blackmail and and uh people getting murdered and and all this stuff her going grandson on. being murdered right but she never changes her voice so it's it's it is like it's almost even worse because it is your i, I kind of thought for a minute i was thinking about uh tony's mom from the sopranos because that is kind of what they do with her she's she's a bad person and she's always evil and you're not surprised when she does what she does but what's great about jackie weaver is that She's very nurturing and matronly, and then, in without even changing her inflection of her voice, she starts t- getting into matters of blackmailing and murder and crime, and you know it's like it's just part of being a grandmother. Well, and again, you know, she. Ha- I mean, she's clearly the way you see her respond to two of her children. Well, she does cry. Act. She gets really upset about Craig, the loose cannon. When he gets killed. She does But get when Barry that, gets yeah. killed, she doesn't even, like, she doesn't even, you know, sweat it. She's just kind of like, all right, it happens. And likewise, when her daughter, you well, know, Craig, when her, when, it, when her it, grandson calls yeah. and says she died of an overdose, there's no response. She doesn't respond to that at yeah. all. Well, it did when, when Craig, I think she was crying after Craig's death for mostly because she felt like she was losing control of the situation. It wasn't really the loss or the grief because... She says she she says when she's having that scene she says, you know I'm always able to put a positive spin on the situation and I'm not I'm having a hard time doing that now, and I think that's what was going on. I think it's that she was losing 
it, it, it's not grief uh, over the loss of a family member because I don't think she ever feels that. But I think it's that I think it's that she had she was feeling like okay, well, crap. Now I've lost two of my boys in a very short span of time, and it's starting to get away from me here. And I think that's why she was crying, my, in my opinion. Because then you see later too when 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 they're when they come in and raid and arrest everybody, she's she's still not worried because she's got a plan. The reason, though, let me tell you, the reason I think that she's not a mastermind of their plans so much as just someone who reaps the benefits and helps them clean up the messes is that the police are never going after her. She's kept her she's kept her nose clean. Sure. She's never given them any reason to go after her. She's just a sweet mother who, you know, is taking care of her boys. But that, you know, they've clearly been after this family for a while, and they would be questioning her or something if there was any involvement. So, yeah. there. That is, that is what I think about that. Well, Jackie, Jackie Weaver deserves the Oscar nomination. I think Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Pope, did an equally strong job and i think it's you know it's weird it's a shame he hasn't gotten more attention for the for the part because i think like i said so by the way jackie weaver's character is apparently named janine yeah but uh they never really say that but janine and pope are easily two of my favorite characters of the year they're and and this guy this guy's just going to be worth watching he's he's I think he's been in other stuff though. No, I'm I'm, I'm talking about the filmmaker because I, um, I I just think it's easy to you know it's you see a lot of first time filmmakers come out with a lot of style. Is this is a good looking movie and it's and it's very stylish. Um, See, and I I didn't think there was a lot of style. Well, it looks it looks spare, but that is a style in and of itself. Yeah, but but no, there's look there's a lot of slow motion and and cutting in with music which is very Scorsese you know feel to it Um, but I think what's sort of special about this kid right from the get go that you don't see in a lot of first time filmmakers I don't know how old he is is that it's unusual to see characters that are this specific and well developed and unique and there's they're not stock characters you know uh, they're just, they're all very interesting people and he's able to sort of establish how different they are. That's a big cast. You know, you come right into the movie with, with basically five male characters. Yeah. It was tough and, to keep him straight for a minute, but he, but not for quickly. long. I mean, he establishes who they are and, and how different they are and what their thing is very quickly. Well, which also you get some benefit of a voiceover from, you know, right. You yeah. have a character saying he's the one who's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, but there, but you know, it doesn't ever, it will never click in your mind. I think unless the writing is there too, to go with it and the dialogue and the performances too, but they're, um, they're all great. Guy Pierce's character is yeah. I want to is, talk about the one is name very in the movie. fun. You know, he's a. You well, know, see, you say fun. He reminds me. Well, he who he reminds me of actually is Gary Oldman from the Batman movies because he's just this sort of. It's unusual. I think he's the only like moral compass in the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know? He's a, he's definitely just a plain good guy. And they did the nice uh, touch of having him have a Down syndrome daughter, which oh, immediately yeah. makes you go, okay, oh, he's yeah. not like he's a good guy, like he is officially a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was nice. I mean, it's just nice also to see, you know, a handicapped well, that's a, child without comment being a movie. No, you know? but it's like, a bit it of a gag nice. to go. I mean, that's that is how you immediately go. 
he's unquestionably a good person is you throw in a quick shot of him playing with his Down Syndrome child. But, I mean, it's nice, too, because it does, again, like, yeah, I mean, Down Syndrome or no, it's a nice moment because it does make you go, like, he, he, you know, okay, he is, like... You're on his side instantly. He's a family as soon as you guy. See that shot. He is, you know, actually looking out for Jay's best interest. Right. You know, he's not actually, like, working some other angle. He mm-hmm. sees this kid. Because he does, I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's a very, you know, it's a very low-key character, but he is ultimately really trying to get Jay out of this cycle. Yeah. And it doesn't work, but he, you know, he tried and he gave him ample opportunity. And then, you know, Jay decided to, you know, take the family's part. He kind of doesn't really, I think Jay's just doing what's in his own best interest the whole time. You know, and in the end, I think he figures out. No, he wanted he's to exact his revenge. In, yeah, part of that. But I think in the end, he knew that he was not going to be safe in witness protection. And he, if he wasn't going to be able to completely put the family away, then he had to go about it a different way than he went about it. And he, I think he was just being smart. I think he, I don't, you know, I think he wanted his revenge, but I think he, it wasn't, it wasn't just choosing the family over doing the right thing or whatever. I, I think he was looking out for himself. I, you know, it's interesting because they kind of left the door open to to make you wonder if Jay knew that his 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 uh, grandmother or at least his family was behind the um you know the raid on his mm-hmm. witness protection house. Well, he knew because Pope and the lawyer. He heard, were. Well, no, he heard that it was the DEA as who came in, and so if he was you know a smart guy and he seems to be, he could put two and two together that why would the DEA randomly go after him? Oh yeah. wait, somebody's gonna. You know, it would be, it would put the uh, drug dealer guy, drug dealer DEA, uh, which member, what do you say? You're talking about the drug, the corrupt cop that comes after him? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he could have put together that that was why that department came after him. Right. And so, again, maybe, you know, he kind of figured out in the long run it would be better for him to just roll on the witness stand and then go take care of the justice he felt like he needed to take care Mm -hmm. of on his own. Yeah. You know. Um, only other thing I want to mention, unless you have something else, is the, uh, the girlfriend who, at the moment, I'm, I'm forgetting the character's name. Was it Nikki? Um. Yeah, it was Nikki. Was it Nikki? Really? Nicole, I think. Yeah. uh, No, that's probably right. Yeah. So, so, you know, she's, first of all, I think she was pretty... She was a pretty interesting character, and again, that could be a throwaway character. That, in the end, she serves a purpose in the story because of Jay. Uh, she, she becomes a liability for Jay, and and uh, creates this big messy detail that has to be dealt with by Pope at some point. But again, this this writer, um, this this filmmaker, David Michaud turns that into such a deeper thing than I think it would be in in the hands of another filmmaker because oh, yeah. you get introduced to the family and and really there's one thing that sticks out to me there's this scene where the mom yeah, the I'm girlfriend's mom who's kind of a throwaway character that she goes up to the girlfriend at kind of at the end of a scene and goes you know I'm trying really hard to be cool about this and I'm letting your boyfriend sleep over and that's a big deal for me. So I just want you to appreciate that I 
love you and I'm trying to be nice to you, even though I think you're making a terrible decision. And then they hug each other. And, of course, that's like that does not have to be in the movie at all. This is totally a subplot that doesn't have anything to do with the family storyline. And it's just there because it adds emotional stake to what Pope does later when he kills Nikki. And, you know, it's not just Jay getting upset. It's not just uh, that Pope has committed uh, a murder and there's a detail to be cleaned up. I mean, we get a scene at some point of her family who are all well-rounded characters at this point, And they're dealing with the consequences of what happened now because this girl happened to work her way into Jay's life and get in the middle of something. Well, and, and th- that, you know, that one line that her mom says about, like, you know, not, you know, other girls' parents wouldn't let their boyfriends stay overnight, you know, it it sort of also creates, you know, and I mean, maybe this is me reading too much into it, but, you know, Jay and Nicole or Nikki or whatever her name is, you know, are kind of kids on the fringe, kids on the edge. And, like, I, I even think they may have indicated that Nikki's dad was maybe like a college professor i don't know if i just like imagine that because he looks kind of oh, i don't know professorial he stays but, he's, he stays you know, at home it's during the day for some reason yeah but you know I, I think you know her mom probably sees her as a kid on the edge and is trying to make concessions to keep her from crossing over into a bad world which of course ultimately almost by accident she and that ends up being her demise but like again they just sort of they flesh out the backstory of the girlfriend of the lead character, you know, it's like a very. They made her. They made her an interesting character. She's not a. She's not just a random chick that gets killed off because. She's, and they and they she's did so with such great economy. She's, like they didn't yeah. waste time doing it. They right. just had a few little moments that kind of fleshed out her life. I think it's one of the best. I think it's one of the better screenplays, of the year, and it hasn't gotten much attention either. It's it's really odd that the Academy took note of Jackie Weaver. And to me, this is a as a movie, it's so strong, and 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 uh, it sticks out to me just as much as something like Winter's Bone because it's so it's it, it's so its own thing. It's such this unique voice, and it's well, well and executed. Story. You've never really yeah. seen like you know a crook story told from this angle, where again, there's not really an enemy other than you know them within themselves, you know, deacon, you know, falling apart. As I'll throw fam- this one out you know, for, Corey, for Corey Kraft if he listens. This is like if the Lady Killers was a drama and didn't completely suck. You know, it's like it's just a group of it's a band of criminals who all meet their inevitable end, basically. Well, it's I mean, it functions. It's so strange because when you think back on it, it's like not much happens in the movie, but so much is conveyed by, you know, the because there's really not big action pieces. Oh, no, you know, yeah. Even the violence the, even is the really violence understated. Is, yeah, yeah, it's like very matter of fact. Yeah. It's just sort of a stepping stone to sort of the dynamic going on between the family. You don't, is it, it's probably rated R because of language, but you could get PG-13 for that level of violence because there's no... Uh, uh, you don't get the old exploding wound thing. I mean, it's well, just like... I mean, you get big splatters of blood. Yeah, but they're, but you know what I'm saying? The the person, the damage to the person is never shown on screen, really. Yeah. Is it rated R? It might be rated PG. I bet it's rated R because of the language. 
remember having a lot of bad language. Well, and the, and and you've got the. Uh, by the way, I just want to throw one more thing in that the every time their lawyer was in a scene, it usually made me laugh because he was such a d bag. He was such a good, just like gross criminal uh, attorney for hire character, and that actor was really good. He just he really he somehow the Australian accent helped with the douchiness. Yeah. It was a good, he was a good, he was a good character too. Yeah. It's just, it's a solid movie. And it is one of those movies that, you know, I put it in my top over, 10. You, you I, I revised keep... my top 10 and put oh, this in there. Right. Yeah. You keep, you keep thinking about it and you keep, you know, every, there's enough ambiguity in it to make you go, well, maybe he meant that, or maybe, you know, the reason he did that was, you know, and that, and that makes for a good movie. Yeah. You know, it's not ambi- it's not ambiguity in that it was confusing and things weren't made clear. It's just he left a lot of, you know, windows open. You know what it reminded me of is a, is a uh, something that you and I are big fans of and watchers of is Breaking Bad. Okay. I'll say it's it's a what you what you talk about with everything is an inevitable consequence of what happened before it. You know, and that everything everybody does makes sense. It's not just there to shock the audience. Things don't happen randomly to just go, I bet they don't see this coming. Everything, you're, you are wondering what's going to happen next, but then as soon as it happens, you go, well, that totally makes sense why that happened yeah. and why he would be the one to do that. So, you know, it's just thoughtful writing and it's, and it's, it's a way to make something that is suspenseful and feels unpredictable, and yet after it happens, it totally makes sense why it happened. And it seemed, it seems after you've seen it, like it was the only thing that could have happened. Well, and at the end of the day, that comes down to if you've drawn your characters clearly and you've given them, yeah, you know, if if the viewer understands the um, psyche behind a character, well, then, you know, even things that would be shocking, you go, well, no, that makes sense for that person to have, you know, done that shocking thing because. In, you know, like Pope killing the girlfriend. He doesn't really have any reason to, but well, I he kind of feels like... he thinks he does. He thinks that he's well, trying he's paranoid, to be paranoid, Right. And so, you know, even though this girl, even in the stupor of drugs, which he was trying to get her to tell the truth, is going, no, what are you talking about, police? What? Yeah, he's like, you no, know? I'm still got to kill her. Yeah, yeah. He's still, and, and that would make sense because he's only out for taking care of himself. Yeah. And he's already decided before the scene begins that she's, you know, the leak, so to speak. I think he wants to kill her at the beginning of the movie. I know well, I don't, don't want to drag us back into that, but I think when I think the scene where he carries her into Jay's room, I think he wants to kill her there. I think he's I think he's kind of got it out for her the whole movie. Maybe. I don't know. That was uh, you know, I it's I couldn't tell if I was like is he going to like sex her up or what is that about no it did kind of, it did look like it, it might have been going creepy. towards rape but i think i think he wanted to kill her i think he thought this is i'm okay with this kid coming into my house but i cannot have him bringing a girl in here yeah i don't know i mean again though that sort of that ambiguity sort of yeah. adds to pope's mystique as like you know you, you don't really like is he thinking like is it just a pure thought of like look at how lovely this sleeping girl is is it a pervy thought of look at this lovely sleeping girl is it a murderous thought like you don't know but yeah. the actor has conveyed enough that he's got you know loose screws that it makes you just uncomfortable right you can't really tell what he means but you know it's not good yep i agree yep good movie good movie netflix has it watch it 
It's, it's not on instant, right? It's just regular on Netflix. I believe Available so. on DVD. Uh, good movie. And if you don't see this movie, then you won't be able to say for sure that Haley Steinfeld deserves to win Best Supporting Actress. That's but, what didn't make any sense, by But the way. Jackie Weaver is really good. And uh, you will not be sorry that you've seen this movie. I, I hope that... You will be sorry, though, if you hadn't seen it. If you it listen you to this listen and to you this. haven't seen it, yeah. Oh. Anyways. Wait, we're, like, plugging the movie after... Yeah, oh, that, that was pretty pointless. Anyways, um, if you would like to hear previous episodes of Cinematrimony or read any of our... Uh, any of my work or any of the work of my wonderful film nerds contributors, uh, you can find all of our podcasts and all of our written pieces at filmnerds.com I recommend uh, the uh, Yentl piece although I'm disappointed that there was not a wifely name drop in there you, that I didn't name drop you in it uh, name drop me and how beautiful it is when I sing all of the songs in the movie Yentl for you <laughs> yeah. disappointed in that well we cancelled the plan for a sing along Yentl podcast but uh shouldn't have yeah <laughs> Um, anyways, you can do one right now. Also, you can find uh, our podcast on on uh, iTunes. Just go to iTunes and search for Film Nerds with no space, and I will get you folks out of here before you have to listen to any more. Yentl. Can you help me now?